Uh, If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn now to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, where we've been for some time now. If you don't have your Bible, you can find the the scripture printed in the bulletin for you. Uh, We've been doing this series in Hebrews 11 and, and calling it Family Portraits. And the basic idea is God is or, you know, here in this chapter, working us through the different uh, stories, the high points of God's family throughout the Old Testament, showing us what kind of faith they had and why and how we should imitate it. Well, here at the end, you'll, you'll notice, um, kind of like, it's, it's like he's a preacher running out of time here at the end. Uh, he says at the beginning of our passage this morning, what more shall I say? Uh, and maybe, you know, some of you in listening to sermons have thought, what more can he say? Uh, and it seems like he's a, he's a preacher trying to rush, and he just starts hitting a bunch of stories all at once. And for the, for the next couple of weeks, as we wrap this series up, we're going to look at this passage and think about uh, what it teaches us. But let's first read it, uh, verses 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them, none of them, received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Don't you want to be a part of that family? (laughs) Now, I ask that because, of course, the right answer should be yes, but if we're honest this morning and we read what these folks went through, I think part of the answer is probably deep in our heart. I don't want to be any part of this family. This is, if this is the way the photo album ends at the end, if we're, if we're watching people getting tortured and sawed in half, I'm out, right? Uh, we are really, really bad at handling weakness. Do you agree with that? Think about uh, the last time you watched TV, for example. And just in one commercial break, just one small little break, I don't know how long are commercial breaks usually, two minutes, two two or three minutes, uh, several 30-second commercials in a row. Almost every commercial that you watch is offering you some way to avoid weakness. Are you hungry? Well, there's some wonderful gourmet food for you, and we'll dash it to your door with DoorDash. You don't ever have to get out of your pajamas. We'll bring it right to you. Uh, are you tired? Well, here's, here's the perfect mattress, and we'll ship it to your door too, and the perfect pillow to give you a good night's sleep. Are you lonely? We've got some beverages that apparently make really good-looking people hang out with you and smile as they do. 
you know, I don't know if that's ever really worked, but that, that you know, nevertheless, they keep advertising it. Uh, are you bored? Well, there are plenty of apps that you can download and you can spend your time, not to mention there are hours and hours of shows you can watch on Netflix to cure your boredom. Uh, even are you bald? Uh, there, there's a product for that, and your own hair will grow back as if by magic uh, if you get this product. Uh, and after doing all this stuff, you're probably going to be unhealthy, and so if you're unhealthy, here's a treadmill, and uh, here's a diet plan. I mean, do, do, have you ever noticed the way advertisements are? One after the other, it's you're weak, but you don't have to be weak. Let's really quick get a new product and rush as much as we can to not be weak. And yet, look at the passage again. The people of God were made in the crucible of weakness. The people of God were made in the crucible of weakness. They were made there not by trying to rush out of it outside of God's timing. They were made in weakness because they were willing to sit there. They were willing to walk slowly with God through weakness rather than to try to just simply quickly overcome it with some new flashy product. Gideon, I think, is probably the greatest example of this. Uh, His name is mentioned there in verse 32. And I think it's because of his name being mentioned that you get that that, uh, statement there in verse 34 that says, these people's weakness was turned into strength. I mean, that was the story of Gideon. He learned how to walk with God through weakness rather than trying to just simply avoid it. And through his weakness, God made Gideon stronger. In fact, Gideon lived at a time when all of Israel was at their weakest point. It was the period of the judges. It was a terrible time. Israel had done so badly. They They had done evil in the eyes of God. And God was handing them over to judgment for their sin. And it was little weak Gideon. Little weak Gideon that God came to and said, Gideon, you're going to rescue my people. Why? Because here's what God wants to show us this morning. The way of faith is the way of weakness. There's no other way around it. The way of faith is the way of weakness. There's no other way around it. You want to know what it means to be a Christian? What it means to get baptized and to come into the church and to be a part of God's family? You've got to be able to sign up and say, I want to be like this family listed here in Hebrews 11. I am willing, I'm willing. If it's with God, I'm willing to walk through whatever weakness he may allow me to walk through. Would you look at your bulletin this morning, and I want to show you three things from the story of Gideon about weakness. First of all, weakness reveals. Uh, The reason why it's an ordinary part of the life of faith is it reveals something about us that we need to know. Secondly, weakness gets put to work by God. It reveals something about God, something that God is doing through weakness in our lives that He's not doing in any other way. And lastly, weakness can be made strong. Because weakness actually is the thing that can change the thing about you that most needs to change. There's something about everybody in this room this morning that really needs to change more than anything else. And it's weakness that can actually change it. So weakness reveals, weakness is put to work, and weakness is made strong by God's power. First of all, weakness reveals something about us. That's the reason why it's an ordinary part of the life of faith. It was for Gideon. It was for the nation of Israel, and it was for us. All the people that are listed here at the end. Uh, He's running out of time. What more can I say? And so he just starts listing off tons and tons of things that happened in the Old Testament. Did you notice that list? (laughs) They faced enemy kingdoms. They faced injustice. They faced wild animals even. They faced fire. They faced violence. 
They faced hostile armies. They faced death. They faced torture. They faced imprisonment. They faced mistreatment. They they faced homelessness. They faced loneliness. That was an ordinary part of what it meant to walk by faith in the Lord. And yet it says there about Gideon and the others that their weakness because of God's work in their life was turned into strength. Their weakness was revealing something about them that's also true about us. You see, here's the thing. The way you feel is not always a good indication of the way things really are. Isn't that right? And that's why weakness does such a good service to us. Think about, uh, have you ever been in bed at night and you heard a noise? And you were absolutely convinced there was an intruder in your house. So convinced that maybe you started shaking, maybe you grabbed the firearm nearest you, or some other you know, form of self-defense mechanism <laughs> that you had near you, and you tiptoed through the house thinking that just around the corner you were going to see the intruder, only to find out, this is usually thankfully true, it was just a, a limb brushing against the window in the bathroom or something. Or or a raccoon. Yeah, there you go. A raccoon could have been. That might actually be more scary than an intruder, though. But it could be that. Isn't that amazing? The way you feel, and it goes the other way, too. Sometimes we feel absolutely safe and secure. For example, have you ever been just sitting there and a friend goes, spider on your head? You didn't know it. And when they say that, what what are you doing? I mean, you're you're freaking out. You're you're doing the dance. Uh, They're probably smacking you upside the head. You were feeling fine, but yet there was some kind of danger. And in one case, you were feeling danger, but really you were fine. Feelings cannot be a good indication of how things really are with us, how they really are with our life. And so God actually allows and sends many different experiences of weakness in the lives of his people. Because in the experience of weakness, you recognize what really is up with you. What really is up? You say, well, what is up with us? Weakness shows at least two things. First of all, it shows you're a limited person. Doesn't, doesn't that show that? You're a limited person. No matter, what, no matter what kind of weakness you're thinking about this morning, it could be physical injury or sickness that comes into our lives, you know, financial limitations, uh, struggles at work and, and frustration with work. Disciplining children can make you feel weak. Uh, tension and strife in marriage, addiction, depression. I mean, any of the weaknesses that you can put on the table this morning. Those weaknesses, if they're teaching you anything, they're teaching you you are a limited person. You can't do everything. Uh, There's this uh, great lesson that we learn when we first become Christians. We we should learn this, and we should keep learning it. It's simple. God is God, and you are not. (laughs) Right? Uh, Theologians say that there are two different kinds of things about God. There are what they call the incommunicable attributes of God, and then there are the communicable attributes And a communicable attribute is just like a communicable disease. Uh, Communicable means you can imitate it. So God is merciful, and you can be merciful, right? God is gracious, and you can be gracious. God is patient, and you can be patient. But then there are certain incommunicable things about God that you cannot be. God knows everything. You can't. God is all-powerful. You can't be. Uh, God is everywhere present. You can only be in one place at a time. And yet, here's the mixed-up thing about sin. I want God's incommunicable attributes and not his communicable ones. I want to know it all, control it all, you know, fashion it all after my own image, but I don't want to be gracious, merciful, just, holy, all that stuff. Right? I don't want that. I want control and power over my life. 
weakness is a gift because it reminds you what a mistake it is to try to grasp at these things while not wanting to give any of these things the time of day. Isn't that right? It shows us our limits. The second thing it shows us, it shows us our corruption. When we're brought into weakness, what is our usual response? What's our usual response? Isn't it complaint? Isn't it accusation? I mean, a lot of times we even want to accuse God. That's what Gideon does. Did you notice that in the Old Testament lesson? Uh, the, the angel came and said, uh, mighty warrior. And Gideon just goes, pardon me, Lord. <laughs> but if God is with us, why is all this happening to us? Gideon said that. That's actually a window into what I normally say. Isn't it what you normally say when we're in weakness? Pardon me, Lord, but if you're with us, how is all this stuff happening? God, I would rather have the, the incommunicable attributes of you and not the communicable. I would rather be you than to simply be patient underneath your hand. It shows our corruption. The fact that we're weak shows our corruption. Also, a lot of times, our own sin and corruption causes our weakness sometimes. I mean, not always, but sometimes there's a direct connection. We're weak, we're suffering because we've made bad choices. No, it's not always that way. But it is sometimes that way. God is always revealing limitation and revealing corruption. Why would he ever want to do that? Because it is the reality of our position. And it's so easy for us to coast along as if we don't have a problem at all. Or to think... Our problem is something way different than those two things. Right? We think our problem is I don't have enough money in the bank account. That's the least of our worries. Even if you have only a negative 10,000 in the bank, it's still the least of your worry this morning. You got a bigger problem. You're a creature in front of a creator, and you're corrupt in front of a holy God. That's a bigger problem by far. And only the experiences that we see listed in Hebrews 11 can actually teach your heart that. You don't learn you're a sinner just by being told you're a sinner. Do you? No, it just probably makes you want to sin more when people tell you you're a sinner. What, what convinces you is really the voice of the Holy Spirit. And His voice comes, yes, through His Word, and yes, through His Word through people, but it usually always gets paired with actual experiences of weakness. That's why it's so normal. That's the first thing. Weakness reveals. Secondly, weakness gets put to work by the Lord. God uses it to deepen our reliance on His sufficiency. Okay, God is always using it, not just to reveal our weakness, but to get us in our weakness to learn how to rely on His greater power and greater sufficiency. Uh, you know, During Gideon's day, what was going on? The people of Israel were in trouble at the hand of the Midianites. This was an enemy group. Why were they in trouble at the hand of the Midianites? Because the Bible says they had done evil in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord had had such, he'd been fed up so much with their rebellion and disobedience that God was going to send them into a disciplinary situation. He was going to discipline them by sending the Midianites you know, into the, the land and attacking them and persecuting them and driving them out, out of their farms. And it says even Gideon was, was you know, doing his farming basically underground in a wine press. He was hiding to do his threshing because he didn't want the Midianites to see it and steal it. Time was, times were bad. Times were rough. God came to his people in weakness. It says God gave them up 
to this weakness. God impoverished them. Why? What does it say in in, uh, Judges chapter 6? So that they would cry out to God. That's why he did it. So they would cry out to God. And so God sent them a prophet. And he sent Gideon an angel with the word. Mixed with that experience of weakness. So that they would learn how to cry out to God and rely on his sufficiency. Same thing with Gideon. When the angel comes to Gideon, we've already said, Gideon balks. He doesn't just do it one time, but did you notice three different times? And actually more if you kept reading the story. We didn't have time to read four chapters or three chapters, but the whole story of Gideon shows you he's balking all the time. Two different times he says, but pardon me, Lord. And then one time he says, okay, God, if this is true, show me a sign. I mean, Gideon is so slow to believe what the angel says. Even after the angel touches the, 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 you know, the sacrifice with his staff and the fire consumes him, I mean, you would think seeing that would solve all your doubts. And yet Gideon is weak. And I love that Gideon is weak because I'm pretty weak. And I'm not sure that even if I saw that, it would totally resolve all of my doubts. The doubt is something a lot more you know, elusive than that. It is a little bit more slippery to get your hands around. In fact, only God can cure doubt. Ultimately, only God can cure doubt. Gideon learned that, and he learned it really slowly. If you read on in the story, it's actually really funny. I mean, Gideon finally believes God, and so he assembles this army. And then God says, wait a minute, you can't go into battle yet. You have too many people. And so what I want you to do is stand up, Gideon, and ask, is anybody afraid? And everybody who raises their hand, I want you to send them home immediately. And so Gideon gets them together. Anybody in here scared? And everybody's like, yeah, well, I am. You know, looking around, yeah, I'm pretty scared. And like half the army, you know, goes home. And then God says to Gideon, you still got too many people. You're, you're, you're going to think that you won the battle, not me, if you go with this many people. And so I want you to take him down to the river. And uh, everybody's going to drink. The ones who are, I can't, I always get this mixed up, but the ones who uh, cup the water in their hands and drink it, you're going to keep. The ones who get down like a dog and lap it up, which I don't know, I mean, why would you do that? But uh, (laughs) apparently some people did that. Those are the people you're going to send home, or maybe it was the other way around. Either way, 300 people were left. That was it. 300 people against thousands. God said, finally, you're ready to fight. Oh, by the way, Gideon, don't take any weapons with you. Uh, I got an idea. Everybody take a trumpet and a jar. Isn't it kind of funny what God has Gideon to do? And he says, when you go out with the 300 men, I want every one of you to blow the trumpet at the same time and smash the jar. And I'm going to win for you. And they did it, and that's exactly what happened. And it says that, that as Gideon got down to the end, this doubting person, this person who's balking at even in the angel of the Lord, it says he bowed his head and he worshipped God. I want you to know that is exactly what God is up to in your life if you belong to him. He's using your weakness not to harm you, not to just make you feel your limitations and feel your corruption so that you feel bad about yourself. He's showing you those things so that you get to a point where you're willing to cry out to him and to, and to lean all of your weight onto him rather than yourself. He wants none of your reliance to be on you. And he knows the only way that I'm going to learn that and you're going to learn that is through experiences that hurt. Weak experiences. Just like you don't know the roof is leaking until the storm comes. Right? Right? Uh, you don't know you're hurting until the doctor pokes you where it hurts. 
And the doctor keeps poking you, the hurting place. He, ne he never messes with the places that don't hurt. He goes right for the places that hurt again and again and again. Why? Because his goal is not to make you happy. His goal is to heal you. And I want you to know, the only way this story makes sense is if God does not exist to make you happy. If God exists to make you holy, healed, that's a big difference. And yet in many cases we think, you know, even as Christians we think, God's job is to pacify us. Well, listen to what one writer says. Understanding God's way of holiness is more important than the absence of pain. Let me say that again. Understanding God's way of holiness is more important than the absence of pain. We may want a way out of a bind, whereas God wants us to see our idolatry. God means to instruct us, not to pacify us. Isn't that right? That's what it means to get baptized. That's what it means to come and become a part of the church and to profess your faith in Jesus. It means you are signing up for that. Not to be pacified by God or coddled or made to feel happy all the time, but you are be, you're signing up to be made holy, to be healed. That means, like a doctor, God's going to poke you in the places that hurt. That means, like a leaky roof, God's going to make it rain right where it leaks. It's not, the rain's not going to fall on the, on the good parts of the roof. It's going to fall on the bad parts. So that you'll see it. And so that you'll turn to Him. Where in your life right now are you saying, pardon me, Lord, but? Where, where are you saying that? Pardon me, Lord, but. I, I just don't want to go there. I, Lord, I want you to make me happy. I just want you to solve this issue that I feel right now. It's a job issue. It's a financial issue. It's a, it's a marriage issue. It's a parenting issue. It's a church issue. It's whatever that. God says, no, Here, here's the issue. You are worshiping false gods, and it's, it's dishonoring to me, and it's terrible for you. Hand your life over to me, and I'm going to actually cure you of that forever. That's what I'm, that's what I'm promising to do. God means what he promises, but y'all... There's a big difference between holy and happy sometimes. And it's a good thing. God puts weakness to work. And lastly this morning, God can make weakness strong. And here's how he does it. And that's what it says in uh, Hebrews 11. Their weakness was turned to strength. I mean, that's an amazing phrase to, to say. Their weakness was turned to strength. Sometimes we think that means... Okay, so God came in and he took away all the weakness in a moment and just filled them with strength. But you know, you can't think that by reading this list. You can't think that by reading the story of Gideon. That's not what God did to Gideon, is it? Did Gideon ever escape his weakness? His whole life long? No, I mean, some weaknesses were shored up, and others, but others emerged. <laughs> some were shored up, but others emerged. Uh, typically, that, that's the way things are with us. Uh, one thing goes wrong, and we think we get that fixed, and something else goes wrong right away. We, we do one bad thing, and we finally kick that habit, and all of a sudden, another habit emerges. Isn't that the way it is? I want to tell you, that's not outside of God's design. That's actually God's design. That's actually the design that God has for our lives. But here's how he makes weakness strength. This is what he does. He changes in your heart what most needs to change. And here it is. Y'all ready to hear it? Here's what most needs to change this morning about everybody's heart. What you boast in needs to change. What you boast in needs to change. 
You see, when, when God was working through Israel's poverty, through their small numbers, through their lame way of going into battle with trumpets and jars, God wasn't just removing all the weakness out of them. Instead, he was changing them from being people who were able to say, look what we did. Look how awesome we are as an army. We're, we're great. Look how great a trainer the, the commanders of the army are. Look how awesome the generals are. They were able to stop that and to start saying, look how great God is. Look at our God. He saved us with trumpets and jars. He saved us when there was only 300 of us and some weird thing where people lapping water were sent home and that was so weird, but God saved us through that. Isn't that amazing? And the same thing with us as Christians. Look at that. Through a cross. Weird. That God would save his people through an instrument of torture and death. So weird. An empty tomb? Are you kidding me? That's how God saves us. Why? So that we would stop saying, look how great I am. And we would start saying, look how great God is. You say, well, I've never said, look how great I am. I don't have a high self-esteem. <laughs> I grant you, you may never have actually said that. But here's how boasting works. It's so different. I mean, think about what a boast is. Uh, every army that goes into battle has to have some kind of boast, right? Or else they would never. I mean, who would ever run into another line of people with spears? With spears. Except people who have something in their mind has been altered in a moment. Well, how does that mind get altered? I mean, you've seen, I mean, if you've never been in battle, you've at least seen movies about battle. Usually it's the guy stands up and says, we're Americans and we're standing for freedom and democracy. Or, you know, William Wallace, we're Scottish. They can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom, you know. And in that, that's a boast. And in that moment, everybody's like, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do the crazy thing of running into that other line of men with spears. I'll do it. Boasting actually strengthens resolve. That's what boasting is. Let me tell you, you're boasting in something. In your daily life, you get up every day and there's something you're doing to get yourself up and get going. You say, well, it's not working very well. Probably not, but there's something you're doing. There's something you're trying to boast in. Some speech that you're, you're giving yourself in your mind or in your heart. And here's how it usually works. When one thing that we boast in fails, we turn to another and it fails and we turn to another and it fails. Right? Uh, we have financial trouble and so we boast in, well, at least we have a nice, good family that loves each other. Well, then the finances get fixed and then the family falls apart. And then I say, well, my family's life is terrible right now, but at least I'm really good at work. And then our family gets better and we lose our job. And then we turn to, well, at least I'm, you know, I'm working out and I'm ripped, you know, or whatever. <laughs> we go from one thing to the other. At least I'm pretty. At least I'm, you know, at least people you know, pay attention to me when I talk or whatever it is. We find one thing after the other. It's an endless cycle of one boast after another that fails and fails and fails. Here is what can change about your heart even today by God's grace. You can get off the treadmill of trying to boast in anything that is created. Anything that's created. No matter how good it is or bad it is, just stop boasting in it. And looking at the cross of Jesus, you can learn like the Apostle Paul to boast only in what God has done for you there. You say, well, okay, okay how do I do that? Think about it this way. At the cross, 
at the same time, your weakness was put on ultimate display and God's strength was put on ultimate display. When Jesus was stripped down and crowned with thorns and mocked and spit on and beaten, what was on display except our weakness? What we deserved because of our sin was on display. What we do when God shows up. I mean, think about that. This is, this is what the Bible thinks about human nature. Given half the chance, we'd kill God. That's exactly what we did when God came in the most visible form that he ever came. We killed him. That puts our weakness, our limitation, and our corruption on the most massive display in the world. Nobody can look at the cross for any length of time with faith and come away arrogant about themselves, boasting in themselves. Because the cross says, you're way worse than you think you are. It's bad. You killed God. You put him on a cross. But at the same time, just like Gideon's army... At the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, the, the power of God is on display unlike anywhere else. Because there God says, you want to see what I can do with weakness? I can turn weakness into the greatest strength that's ever been known. The greatest power that's ever been unleashed. The greatest source of life change the world has ever known. I'm going to unleash it through the, through the act of greatest human weakness and corruption that you've ever seen. I'm going to work there. Isn't that amazing? In the darkest places of the world, God works. At the cross. To show us that at the darkest corners of your heart, God can work. What? Staring at the cross like that? Thinking through that? I mean, as we come this morning to, to baptism and to receive new members, I mean, it's only, there's only one person today getting baptized, but all of us who have been baptized can remember our baptism and think about what that means. Here's what it means. I am giving my life up entirely. Why? Because he has given his life up entirely for me. He's worked in, in my weakness to do the strongest thing that's ever been done for me. So that even in weakness, I can be strong in him. The Apostle Paul not only said, I boast only in the cross, but he said this crazy thing too, which is not so crazy when you understand it. He says, I boast all the more in my weaknesses. And he, started, he actually started listing them. Here, here's my weaknesses. And he said, you know, I got this thorn in the flesh. Didn't tell us what it is. It's so bad, he doesn't even want to tell us what it is. He says, I, I was imprisoned. I was shipwrecked a few times. I was stoned. I was beaten. I was, I was left for dead. My eyesight is bad. I, I've got all kinds of problems, Paul says. But those are the things I boast in. Why? Because it's there that I learned the power of the cross. It's there that I understand that, that my Savior dying for me and bleeding for me is my only hope. And it's there that I understand that God has loved me that much and owned me as his own. Won't you get off the treadmill this morning? That's, that is the one thing that needs to change in your life. That's the one thing. It's for you to stop going from one created thing to the, the next, just like a, a commercial break during a TV show. From food to drink to pleasure to family to work to money to one thing after the other. Rather than learning how to come at the foot of the cross and to make your boast in him. Amen? Would you pray with me this morning?